Now back to the Matt Mosley Show on ESPN Central Texas. Oh, man. It is Matt Mosley, Matt Mosley Show. Eric Nadell, legendary voice of the Rangers, joining us now. Eric, you recognize that music as we uh, as we come on. Uh, well, today uh, was the parade. They're estimating 500 to 700,000 folks were out there. Uh, Eric, is it is it uh, truly, is it kind of hit you in waves? Has it... Has it truly set in that this actually happened? How how are you processing all of this? Well, hi, Mo. I, I think today was the clincher to actually see all those people and ride in the parade and see the joy on the faces of so many hundreds of thousands of people. Uh, until that, you know, it wasn't really cemented in my brain that this really had happened. I know the last two days when I woke up, uh, I thought, oh, goodness, this this is real. It really is. Uh, and today, seeing all those people out there, um, now now I'm convinced. Although today itself seemed like a dream that, that so many people would turn out you know, to recognize what this Ranger team was able to accomplish this year. How did you celebrate? And congratulations, by the way. I'm you know, so happy for you after those years of coming so close, 2011, to get to call that. And it was a great call, by the way, uh, and everybody in the world has heard it now, and it was just so well done and so natural. But uh, what was the uh, what was your celebration like with your radio crew? Did you all uh, did you raise a glass? I, uh, I I would imagine you didn't y'all didn't drink as much as some. But uh, what was the uh, what was the initial celebration like? Well, we celebrated in the booth. Jared had brought a bottle of champagne. He doesn't believe in drinks. Um, I, I do. So I didn't bring a bottle of champagne. You know, I brought one in St. Louis in 2011 for games six and seven. And I vowed after that, I'm never going to be the one to bring champagne again, but Jared did. And so we, we drank some in the booth before we went back to the hotel. And then there was an open bar at the hotel for everybody with the Rangers. So we celebrated, uh, together with the Ranger front office, all the Ranger players and all their wives and families. And it was amazing. Went on until about two in the morning, and you know Arizona time. We're two hours behind, so you know we got started up there at about right about eleven thirty, and uh, went till about two. And uh, yeah, there were some <laughs> there were some beverages consumed. <laughs> in those moments after you made the call, and even you know after you went off the air, was there? What were the? Who'd you think about? Was there? Were there any of those things that just kind of flooded back to you? And I mean, I, I would imagine you think about some of the players, some of the people you've worked with. Uh, you know, obviously Mark and and uh, losing him all those years ago. But is there any? What were the? What were the couple things that really were at the f- forefront of your mind when you kind of started thinking about and, and processing it? Well, I thought a lot about Mark Holtz, you know, all through the playoffs, and I certainly thought about him. You know, right after right after the game was over, and I thought about Tom Grieve, you know, who retired before this season, but at least is still around. He's been going to all the games. I thought about the other people who have worked for the team for so long. Um, Rich Price, who we call Hoggy, who's been there since 1977, working in the various clubhouses and uh, in the umpires' room, and you know, some of the other people in the organization. Chuck Morgan, of course, you know, the PA announcer, and you know, all of. Uh, all of the people who 
have followed the Rangers. You know, there's three generations of Ranger fans now who had never seen this team win. And, you know, it was just unbelievable to think about how many, how many people that is, you know, just in terms of the, the messages that I get on social media, you know, I know that there's all kinds of families and, you know, there's new fans who don't remember the nightmare of 2011. Uh, and then there's old fans who go all the way back to 1972 when the Rangers came. And how do you, uh, you know, how, how do you process the fact that these people finally have some, you know, true baseball joy and satisfaction and can look at their team as champions? You know, they'll, they'll, I think they'll never look at the Rangers the same way again. You know, your call, I, I love that. You're, you're not dreaming talking addressing rangers fans i mean it was uh i just kind of wondered like in some ways you've thought about that call for for many many years but you you also have to kind of represent in the moment you can't really you know you might have in your mind what you might like to say or what it might sound like a little bit but um but it was just so cool because it seemed organic and um and then to watch spores you know, throw that glove down and you're kind of watching all that. Um, take us through those moments. I mean, I guess that's when you just tune everything out. You're so into the game. You're not really thinking about, oh, let's make an iconic call here. You're just you're just trying to capture that moment. How, what were those moments kind of leading up to it? And then when you got to do it, I just I can't imagine how exhilarating that was. Yeah, you know, Mo, I, I had thought about it during the day. Levi Weaver was doing, uh, is working on a piece that's going to be in the Athletic tomorrow morning uh, about the fact that I've been here for 45 years, and you know, this is the first time that I've had a chance to make this call. And he got me thinking a lot. You know, we went to breakfast on the morning of Game Five, and he got me thinking a lot about, you know, what the call should be. And, you know, what I wanted to include in it. And the thing that just kept coming to me during the day was that I didn't feel like any of it was real. I, I really did feel like I was in a dream all day because I'd already concluded the Rangers are winning the World Series. Once we won game four and we were ahead three games to one. And, yeah, of course, uh, nothing's guaranteed. But, you know, at that point, I figured, you know, not even the Texas Rangers, you know, can blow this. And... <laughs> You know, this is, this is it. You know, we've, we've won this thing and it didn't seem real. It seemed like a dream. And I thought, you know, I should incorporate that into the call to to tell Ranger fans that they are not dreaming. And that was the one thing that I wanted definitely to include in the call, um, along with recognizing that it had been 52 years that, you know, some of these Ranger fans had gone without a championship. Eric Nadell joined the Matt Mosley Show, ESP in Central Texas. Adolis Garcia, a postseason for the ages. I mean, this really truly was the greatest maybe in Major League Baseball history. I mean, the RBI record, and he didn't even play in games four and five. But when you look back at it, the emotion, everything he brought, he was the guy. I mean, Seager brought it home, obviously, the World Series, but Adolis in game one, in the ALCS, obviously, um, it's it's remarkable. No Ranger had ever done anything 
quite like this. And, and I mean, it's just it's one of the greatest runs in Major League Baseball history. And I just I, – what was it like for you, Eric, to watch it play out and to just watch him do it over and over again, even in these hostile environments like in Houston seems- where everybody was all over him throughout the game? Yeah, it seemed the bigger the moments, the the more he rose to the occasion, and I, he was just made. He was just made for those big moments, and it was just incredible watching him do that. Um, and then, of course, when he went down, and we found out that he wasn't going to play the rest of the way, and it was something the Rangers had to do all year. They needed to step up when somebody got hurt. Um, but this was, you know, this was seemingly a little different because he had been so dominant in the postseason. As it turned out, somebody stepped up big time, and that person was Marcus Simeon, who up until that point, you know, had had a terrible postseason. And for if he were going to have three big games, there was no bigger time to do it than the last three games when you don't have Adolis Garcia anymore. You know, what could be better timing than that? And, and what is it about the, the knockout blow that this team loves so much? I mean, it's like it's not easy to hit these home runs, right? But their sense of, okay, now it's time to knock this team out. You just brought up Simeon. He did it to the D-backs the other night, you know, to make it 5 nothing. But it's just the sense of time. Even on those first home runs, Seager had one. Um, was it game six against the Astros that kind of set the tone? Okay. Okay, let's calm this thing down. Everybody's going to be okay. And then he did what he did in game one. The sense of timing for this team in the heroics, you think, well, they've run out of heroics. But yet they never did. It, it, it kept happening game after game in this postseason. It did. And, you know, different guys did it. Seeger did it. Uh, Josh Young very quietly hit 350 in the World Series. <laughs> and over 300 for the whole postseason, you know, as a raw rookie. Evan Carter also, I mean, just ridiculous. The guy hitting 300, setting a major league record for doubles in postseason. The first major leaguer ever to have nine doubles. And the kid is 21 years old and, you know, barely played a week in AAA and less than a month in the big leagues before the postseason. Uh, it's, how do you explain it? You really can't. Golly, well, it's uh, it, it it's amazing, and when you think about all the players you mentioned, so the pitching, Avaldi became the story, and five and O, first player in Major League history to do that. It's crazy how many records were broken by this team. Everything they had to go through this year. And then Montgomery and Avaldi just become monsters, right? I mean, even in this rotation that was supposed to have these other huge names, it was Montgomery and Avaldi, and they were enough. And you kind of pieced things together around them. Heaney did some good things along the way. John Gray emerged as a big time, you know, pitcher kind of later in the in the in the you know things. But Montgomery and Avaldi, um, I mean, they will go down as two of the greats and. Hey, who knows? Montgomery might not be with us that that long, uh, but it was unbelievable the impact he made. Yeah, the two those two guys won all four games in the league championship series against the Astros. <laughs> Montgomery winning the last game in relief, 
But, you know, that's all four victories. And, you know, in the postseason, the starter doesn't get the, the decision that often anyway because those guys usually don't pitch that deep into the games. And then for Nate to come out after not having a good outing in game one of the World Series and come out with the game that he had in the clincher in game five with people all over the bases through the first five innings and every single time making the big pitch that he needed to get out of it, you know, that was, that was truly impressive that uh, he could make the big pitch time after time. And it's consistent with what he did in the regular season. You know, with, we have looked up the numbers and with men in scoring position in the regular season, opposing batters hit just 163 against him. And he continued that in the postseason. And that's not easy to do. You're facing the best hitters in the league, the best teams in the league. And, you know, he did just as well. And Montgomery did just as well as he did during the regular season. That's, that's really hard. And for the bullpen to hold up like it did after that had been such a huge story, all those blown saves. Eric, you've even on bad teams, you wouldn't see that many blown saves where you blow half your opportunities. Um, you, you know, you rarely, if ever, see anything like that. And then in the postseason, they come up as big as they did. And Spores emerges as your best, your lockdown best guy out of the bullpen. Um, I, 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 w- I don't think a month ago or a month and a half, whenever it was, two months ago, we would have th- thought Spores would be some kind of hero for this team, and yet he absolutely was. Yeah, I mean, it was more likely that Spores would would go on waivers or have to get released. He was out of options. The Rangers couldn't send him down to the minors, and he kept getting hurt, you know, and he kept having these really bad spells of three or four games. And to, to think that he was the guy who gave up one run the whole postseason and closed out the last game by pitching over two innings, you know, on a night where they really needed to not use Jose Leclerc because he had pitched two nights in a row. And it was, again, another one of the improbable things that happened. And yeah, how about going 11-0 and on the road for a team <laughs> that had a losing record on the road during the regular season and didn't score well on the road during the regular season? You know, they scored well under uh, a run per game less than they did at home. And in the postseason, all of a sudden, they're, they're scoring runs like crazy and not giving up anything. It, you know, it, it doesn't make any sense. But finally, I think the baseball gods smiled on the Rangers. And you saw that in the last game, too. In some of these opportunities, when Arizona had scoring chances, they hit the ball really hard, but right at people. And the Rangers wind up you know, getting a leadoff hit from Corey Seager to start the rally that gave them the only run they needed, as it turned out, with a little cue shot, you know, that might have gone 40 miles an hour just inside the bag at third base to break up the no-hitter and get that rally started. You know, the the Rangers, you know, in that game certainly got the kind of breaks that they didn't get during the 2011 World Series when just a, a break or two, you know, would have allowed them to win the World Series. This thing seems built to last for a little bit. The way this thing has been constructed by Chris Young, I, I mean, you got to give Ray Davis a lot of credit, but I mean, I, they really could be firing away. But as we know, you only get so many chances. So th- this one, Eric, like they can't ever take this away from the Rangers. You know, that's what's so great about it. There's so many things we look back on those unbelievable runs in 2010 and 2011. It was fun. We loved it, but they didn't complete it. And so when you complete it, you know, hey, hopefully you fire away at this thing again a few times. 
but this one can never go away. But, but Eric, this thing is set up, and Bochi, you know, sounds like he wants to give it another go. Um, and, and, the, and to get the right manager in here, that's another enormous story with, uh, with Bochi. I mean, I, I just, I don't, you know, you, you, you just can't say enough good things, and everything he kept doing seemed to work. But there's just something about Eric, his temperament, that seems to permeate through that clubhouse. And I, I don't know if we've ever seen anything quite like it. Ron certainly had a way with the players. But Bochi had the credibility in all the things he'd done in the past. And it just seemed to work with this team. Yeah, I mean, he has a calm, he has a calm assertiveness uh, combined with kind of a magic touch for making those key decisions as to who should bat where or who should come out of the game you know, as the starting pitcher and, and when to replace him and with whom. Uh, and when you're talking about the future, the fact that Bochi is here is a big factor. You know, players are going to want to play here mm. now that they know that Bochi is here. Players are going to want to play here now that they know they're joining a championship-caliber team that has a very deep farm system. You know, some, some young stars in the minors we haven't even seen yet, like Wyatt Langford, who just tore up the minor leagues after being the first-round draft choice this year you know, get a whole year out of Evan Carter. And, yeah, the Rangers need to add to their pitching staff, specifically in the bullpen. Um, but they're going to go after whatever big names are out there. You know, they're going to do their best to re-sign Jordan Montgomery. I'd be really surprised if he doesn't return because he loves pitching for Mike Maddox. Everybody does. And, you know, it's my guess the Rangers are going to make a major run at Shohei Otani. And, you know, Mitch Garver's contract is up. He's a free agent. If the Rangers can get Otani, uh, look at what that does to the Ranger lineup. You know, how does it look hitting hitting Otani? You know, behind uh, Garcia in the cleanup spot. Uh, I mean, it's it's unbelievable. And now that the Rangers have won, and that they have Bochi, you know, they've got a serious chance to get any free agent they decide to go after. Wow, it is amazing. Well, Eric, I uh, you were an inspiration to us this year, some of the things you were going through, and then to get back and then go on this run. I know you loved your teammates, and they were kind of there for you. But, boy, to come back and have the courage uh, and, and, and to get to get on there and, and, and do your thing, we were so happy for you. Um, when did you when did you – how did you get to the point, Eric, this year where you just knew, okay – I'm ready. I'm ready to get back and do what I've done for so many years. Was there, what, did it did it happen over a couple of weeks period, or was there like a day you said, okay, I can, I feel like I can, I can do this. It happened over a period of a couple of weeks where you know I started thinking that you know my mental acuity had gotten back to where I could probably do it, but I wanted to test it, and I actually went out and did. Uh, half a dozen games or so uh, into uh, into the mid into the air as a make believe broadcast from my own booth out at the ballpark. It was like I did when I was you know in high school, uh, making believe I was a broadcaster to learn how to do it and to practice doing it. And I basically did that. I did a half a dozen games, and it was you know around the fifth game I started thinking this is now good enough that it's you know it meets my it meets my standard of excellence. And I wasn't going to come back if I couldn't do that. And so the fifth game, I told John Blake, my boss, I, I think I just need one more game. 
and then you know, and then I think I'm ready to go. And that, and that's how it worked out. And fortunately, the Rangers were really patient, and you know, they were willing to wait. And so I was back, you know, back in early August to to do the last couple of months and and the whole playoff run. Well, it's been an awesome run. Love listening to you. We're uh, one of the Rangers affiliates in Central Texas, and so everybody loved hearing from you. What do you do now? Do you uh, go, go on a little trip? Are you going to go to the beach? What are, what are your what are your thoughts? Do you have a, a trip planned or anything, or are you just going to kind of veg out for a little bit? I don't. I think I'm going to veg for a while, uh, see a lot of live music. I started last night. You know, I went to the Kessler Theater, my favorite venue, and saw one of my favorite singer-songwriters named Martin Sexton. Uh, if people aren't familiar with him, they should check him out. He's he's kind of an under-the-radar guy, although he's been around for a while. He's very bluesy. You know, it's almost a Dr. John, Seth Walker sort of vibe he's got going. But he's he's really he's really a great entertainer. And he opened his concert with We Are the Champions. And that was phenomenal. And the crowd just went absolutely crazy. And Queen also played in Dallas Uh last night. And in their encore set, they did We Are the Champions and and came out in Ranger jersey. So uh, it's so great to see uh, see musicians recognize that. A lot of musicians are really into baseball, as we know. Eric, thank you so much. Thank you for making the time and just know how excited we are for you and the whole organization. But uh, have a uh, have a great one, and uh, I appreciate you. Thanks, Mo. Anytime. All right, there he goes. Eric Nadell joining the Matt Mosley Show.